0: Alright, well hey everybody, welcome to Eagle Brook Church. Good to have you with us today if you're at one of our campuses or if you're watching this message online. I saw that video yesterday and I said, did we do that? We must have bought that from somebody, right? There's no way we produce that on our own. Well, it turns out we did. We had three camera crew production people out in California. They went out to the desert and shot that thing. That's one of the most beautiful, like cinematic things I've ever seen we've done at this church. Our our production people are second to none. I mean, they could work anywhere they want around the country, so grateful for them. Before we get started, let me celebrate what God did last weekend out at Lake Johanna. It was our summer baptism, and 864 people were baptized. Isn't that amazing? My kids were asking me a few weeks ago, they said, what do you like about being a pastor? And my kids never ask me questions like that. They're always asking me for money, food, and why their siblings got more than they did, right? They're always just measuring that out. And so when they asked me this question, I was thoughtful about the answer. And boy, I said, you know, baptisms are tough to beat. To be around 864 people who are declaring that they love Jesus Christ, They believe in Jesus Christ, and they are going to follow him for the rest of their life. It's just a privilege to be around that water and around that day with them. This year was especially fun because we have launched online church. And so we baptized a couple that had driven from Syracuse, New York. They're online attenders. They drove across the country to be with us last weekend. I baptized a woman from Atlanta, Georgia, She had flown up for the weekend to participate in the baptism service. We baptized a girl who is a college student in Mankato. She watches every week online. And I baptized a guy in his late 20s who told me before the baptism that he was fighting for his marriage. And when he got up out of the water, we hugged each other for several moments. And I said to him that as you went under the water, I said, I was praying that God would give you the strength to continue to fight for your marriage and that you would not quit. And those are the kinds of issues that people in our church are dealing with every single week, which is why today we're beginning a brand new series called Will God Come Through? Isn't that a question that we've all wondered before? Something's going on in your life and you pray about it and you've read the Bible and you know the promises that God makes to you. But still, deep down inside your mind and your heart, you're going, yeah, but will God really come through? Today's message is titled, Will God Come Through When I Don't Have What It Takes or When I Feel Inadequate? Maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you're entering into a new season of life. You're starting school, and you're starting a new job, you're promoted into a new position, and you're kind of wondering, do I have what it takes? Maybe for you, there was a health setback that you experienced in your life this year, and it's become kind of a new normal. And you're going, God, I I don't know if I'm gonna get through this. I don't know if I have what it takes. Maybe there's a new challenge, and you feel completely inadequate to take it on, but you've wondered, do I have what it takes? When I was 21 years old, I got hired at a church as a youth pastor. They had had four youth pastors in five years, And I had only been a Christian for a year and a half. Part of the interview process was they had two kids from the youth group actually interview me. They were a brother and a sister. And when they got done, the brother said to the church leadership, he said, Well, he seems somewhat athletic. That was the word that he used, somewhat. Then his sister, who was just a couple years younger than me, she said, Well, he's kind of cute which I took to mean barely passable. And this was kind of how I got the job. I mean, I don't know if they ever asked me if I believed in Jesus or not. It was really my athletic ability or lack thereof that barely got me the job. But I remember at the age of 21 thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm doing. I had not grown up in church. I didn't know a whole lot about youth ministry. So to compensate, I went and bought some books And one of them was by another youth pastor, and it gave you lessons that you could teach to your students on the weekend, which was just perfect for me. So one of them showed a clip from the movie, What About Bob? The book said, start the clip when Bob, played by Bill Murray, gets onto the elevator. So I'm watching this on a Sunday morning. I'm running late. I see Bob get on the elevator. I quickly hit the eject button on my VCR, my VHS, stands for Video Home System, you can Google it, kids. (laughs) And I ran out the door to get to church. Well, it was a little tricky that weekend because they were also asking me to do the announcements in the adult service. But I had timed this out perfectly, so I started the clip from the movie What About Bob? I ran over to the main auditorium to give announcements, and I got back just in time to catch the end of this clip. Now, what I have since discovered is that there are two times in the movie, What About Bob?, that Bob gets on an elevator. I chose the wrong clip. If you remember the movie, Bob, played by Bill Murray, has a mental condition, and so he, at one point, gets on an elevator goes up to his psychologist, played by Richard Dreyfuss, office, and proceeds to unleash every four-letter word known to man. <laughs> I got back into the youth room right as he was saying the last four-letter word, which was the worst one. I went, oh! I ran over to the TV, I hit eject, and I turned to face these sixth grade boys and girls who just a few minutes earlier had been pure and innocent. And now their ears were on fire and they were on the verge of tears. And I looked them in the eye and I said, let's not tell your parents about this. Every other weekend, I wanted parents to get in the car with their kids and go, hey, what did you learn in church today? I did not want them asking that question this weekend. I told the kids, I said, you just tell them you were zoned out, right? You don't even remember anything. Because I'm imagining these parents get in the car, they're like, hey, what did you learn in church today? Bleep you. Excuse me? No, really, that's what I learned in church today, right? I thought for sure that I was going to lose my job. Somehow I kept the job and, left and got to lead an amazing group of students for seven years. But when I was 21, I can remember thinking, I do not have what it takes. Ever felt that way before? Maybe you're entering into a new season of life as a parent. And you're looking at this infant and you're going, not only do I have to keep them alive... But I also have to try to raise them to become a man or woman of God. And I've got my own issues in my life. I mean, how am I going to do that? I don't have what it takes. Maybe you're going through a breakup or a divorce. And just deep down inside, you wake up in the morning and you go, God, I can't do this. I can't deal with this pain another day. I, I, I don't have what it takes or maybe for you you're beginning a new job or a new project or a new business venture and you think you know I don't know what these other people are seeing in me but I'm not sure I see it in myself god I feel so inadequate I don't have what it takes this series that we're in will god come through it is based on two books in the old testament first and second kings in fact as you leave today we're going to give you a bible reading plan that we've put together for First and Second Kings. And I was looking over this. This is fantastic. I mean, there's diagrams and charts and great, insightful teaching. There's also a place where you can just mark off when you've read that chapter. And we're going to challenge and encourage our whole church to be reading through the books of First and Second Kings over this course of this series. Those, today, we're going to look at First Kings chapter 1. And just to give you a little bit of background, David is the king of Israel at this time. And he's been leading for 40 years, and they have been the best 40 years that Israel has ever known. They defeat the neighboring nations. David builds a wall around the city, so there's safety, there's security, and they're prospering economically. And then David gets sick, and it becomes apparent that he's going to die. And so he taps his son Solomon on the shoulder and he says, Solomon, I believe that God wants you to become the next king of Israel. If you're Solomon, this is sort of like trying to replace Bill Belichick as the coach of the New England Patriots right after they went 14-2 and and won the Super Bowl. I mean, the only way that you can take this thing is down. It, it can only get worse. And so Solomon must have been feeling a little as if, I don't have what it takes. I'm not adequate, David. I don't know that I can lead as well as you have led. So David, on his deathbed, pulls his son Solomon aside, and he has some advice for him. And I've never taught this part of the Bible before, but as I've studied this for the last couple weeks, I am convinced that this is some of the best leadership teaching you will ever find. If you are a leader in any capacity of life, I believe God is going to use this to make you a better leader. If you're a young adult and you're trying to navigate through life and figure out, you know, what does it mean to be successful? This is going to speak to you. This is going to guide you. And if you're a parent and you're trying to teach those principles to your kids, this is some of the best advice that a father or mother could give to their children. The question is, how do I lead well when I don't feel like I have what it takes? Here's the first answer to that. It's number one, be strong. So David pulls Solomon aside on his deathbed. Here's the first thing he says to him. He says, be strong and show yourself a man. I just imagine Solomon here, and he's slobbering all over David with his self-doubt. I can't do it. I'm not going to do as well as you. Why are you? Doing? And finally, David just shakes him. And he's like, Be strong and show yourself a man. In other words, put your big boy pants on, Solomon. You can do this. Now, Solomon is, of course, a man. So it makes sense that he says, Show yourself a man. I think this applies to both men and women. But what does he mean when he says, Show yourself a man? Because I am the father of three boys. And so more and more, I'm asking this question, what does it mean to be a man? As I'm trying to help my boys move from childhood and being a boy into manhood, what is the target? What does manhood actually look like? Because we live in a culture right now that is increasingly confused about that question. One extreme says that there's no differences between men and women. None whatsoever. And I think the motivation behind that is a good one. They want to highlight the equality that we have as human beings. But here's the problem with that. Men and women have equal value and worth before God, but that does not mean that men are the same as women or that women are the same as men. You can have differences and not have an inequality. The opposite extreme of that is what I would call superficial manhood. I drive a truck, I hunt, I chew tobacco, I burp, I belch, I punch, look at me, I'm a man. That's not a man, that's a cartoon. (laughs) Here's the definition of a man. A man is someone who is willing to lay down his life for others. Jesus Christ was a man. He laid down his life For the sake of others. In the book of Ephesians, when Paul is speaking to husbands, here's what he says. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a husband. Someone who's willing to give up his own life. A man isn't walking around his family going, well, here's what I need and here's what I want. A man is walking around going, what do you need? What do you want? A man isn't seeking pleasure for himself, he finds pleasure in doing what's right and serving other people. He's not selfish, he's selfless. My wife and I know two young girls in their late 20s, and they are both very smart, they love God, they're beautiful, and they haven't found a man. They would like to be in a relationship, but just haven't found the right person. And we were talking to one of them recently, and they said, you know, I went on this date with this guy. I actually went on a couple dates with him, and he claimed to be a Christian. But after two dates, I could tell that all he was interested in was sex. That's not a man. That's a pleasure seeking boy. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that men don't struggle with temptation. I do. I mean, I'm flawed in so many ways, and there are certain sins and struggles that you might fight against your entire life. But that's just it. Is there a fight? Is there a struggle? Because a man doesn't just accept those things. He fights against them in the strength that God offers. Because remember what David said to Solomon right before he said, show yourself a man. And this isn't just for men now. This is for both genders. He says, be strong. Who needs to hear that today? Maybe you came to church and you feel so weak or you're watching this message and you go, God, I just I feel so weak. And God might want to say to you today, be strong. You say, but I'm so afraid. I'm fearing that I'm going to fail in some area of my life. And God would say to you, be strong. Oftentimes before I speak here at Eagle Brook, there's a video that introduces the series that we're in. And during that video, at some point, I will often take a step forward. And what I am doing in that step is symbolically I am saying to God, I am stepping outside of my strength and my power. And I am stepping into the strength and the power that you offer to me. Anyone here today need to take a step like that. Anyone here today need to step out of your own strength and your own power and step into the strength and power that God offers to you. You see, when David says to his son Solomon, be strong... He's not meaning muster this up on your own. Just try a little bit harder. He's saying receive the strength that God offers to you. Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, oftentimes when I hear people talk about this verse, they put the emphasis on I can. They'll say things like, well, I can do all things. And I can do whatever I set my mind to. And if I believe in myself and I try hard enough, I mean, I can do all things. But the emphasis in this verse is not on I can. The emphasis in this verse is on through Christ. Christ is the one who's doing the strengthening. Christ is the one who's doing the heavy lifting. Our family moved a few weeks ago, and so I've been doing a lot of heavy lifting lately. We had one piece of furniture delivered to our house and they were supposed to bring it upstairs, take it out of the box. Instead, they dumped it in my garage on a crate. Literally, it was on a crate. It was taller than me, wider than me. And so I'm staring at this thing in my garage and I'm going, I I can't lift that. I I cannot carry that. Right as I'm standing there, all of a sudden, this guy and his wife biked up my driveway And I had never seen this guy before, so it kind of startled me at first, like, whoa, what's going on here? Turns out he lives in an adjacent neighborhood, and he recognized me from church and wanted to come and introduce himself. He must have noticed me standing there staring at this thing because he goes, hey, do you need some help with that? That's the dumbest question he's ever asked in his life. (laughs) This poor guy. It was the heaviest piece of furniture I have ever carried. Both of us were just dripping with sweat afterwards. I jokingly told him, I said, hey, I got a couch being delivered in two days. I expect you to be biking by at four (laughs) o'clock. I promise you I was kidding. But two days later, my wife did buy an L-shaped sectional couch. I picked it up. It was in multiple boxes. I told my wife, I said, I got this. I got it out of the truck. I got it onto a dolly. I was trying to get it up my front steps, and I could not do it. As I'm standing there in my front yard going, I don't know what I'm going to do, this guy and his wife come by on a four-wheeler. This guy, he's in his 60s, he's retired, he's just trying to enjoy his life. Every time he drives by my house, I put him to hard manual labor. He has not come by my house in two weeks. He's like, I'm done with it. I'm not even going to go past that guy's house. And I know he hasn't come by because I have a massive kitchen table that has been sitting out in my front yard for several days. Every day I just stand out there going, where is he? Where is he? So Daryl, take a bike ride, okay? We need to get this in the house. But here's my point. Have you ever looked at something in your life and thought, I can't lift that? I'm not talking about furniture anymore. You looked at something and you said, I can't lift that. I can't carry that. Maybe for you it was a health issue, maybe it was a relationship in your family or something one of your kids was going through and you're trying to lead your family and you're trying to fight for your marriage, but you just go, God, I can't carry it. I can't lift it. Just like I needed a strength outside of myself, you need a strength outside of yourself as well. That some of us here today say, you know what, God, I'm in a financial hole. I don't know how I'm going to lift myself out of this. God might want to say to you, you can do all things, not in your own power and strength, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You say, I'm dealing with this breakup. There's this painful issue in our life. God would say to you, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. David said to his son, first thing, you need to be strong. Second thing that he said to him was, obey God. And as you can tell, these are, this isn't rocket science. There's nothing I'm saying here that's brand new that you've never heard before. He says, be strong, and then he says, obey God. In fact, as David is on his deathbed, here are the last words that he says to his son Solomon. And You just think about what are the last words I would say to my son or daughter if I had that chance. Here's what David chose to say. He said, Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all that you do and wherever you go. I was at a community center just this week playing basketball with my three sons, and it's a little confusing because the community center is attached to a YMCA. But you can't just be a member at the Y to play basketball. You have to go sign in at the community center, and you have to pay extra. And so my boys and I, we signed in, we paid, we were down there playing, and about six middle school to high school kids came in, not all with each other, but at different times, and they started playing, but they didn't have a wristband on, so you could tell they had not paid. And pretty soon, this woman from the community center, she came down, and she said, hey, If you haven't paid, you got to get out of the gym. you got to go sign up at the front desk. And some of these kids just ignored her. One of them had some headphones on. He just stood there shooting up layups. Didn't even look at her. He knew what she was saying. Two of the other kids just mocked her. And they played keep away with the basketball. And they were laughing at her and making fun of her appearance. And finally, she lost it. And she said some things she shouldn't have said, and they threatened to call her manager, and it got real tense quick. Some other people came down and finally escorted these kids out of the gym. But I noticed that there was this one sixth grade boy who the moment that she said, hey, you need to go pay, you need to get out of the gym if you haven't paid, he picked up his basketball and just walked out. And a little bit later, he came back in to grab his backpack that he had forgotten, and I just felt God nudging me. And so I went over to this kid and I said, hey, you got a second? I said, when she asked you to leave the gym, did did you ignore her like some of those other kids were doing? And he looked at me and he said, no, sir. That was his exact word. He said, no, sir. I said, did you talk back to her and mock her like some of the other kids were doing? He said, no, I didn't. I said, you're right. And I noticed that. I asked him, I said, do you want to play some basketball today? He said, yeah, I'm from North Dakota. My parents dropped me off. I didn't know you had to pay. I said, come with me. I'm going to pay for you at the front desk. And as we were walking back to the gym, I put my arm around him, and I said, what did you learn from this? And a little sheepishly, he kind of goes, you know, be respectful. I said, yeah, that's, that's good. But I said, it's even deeper than that. I said, if you will obey God even in little areas like listening to an authority figure who's asking you to do something that you don't want to do, I said, if you will obey God, then God notices. And God will prompt people like me, and God will bless you in some way in your life. I said, if you will obey God, you are going to be successful in whatever you do. That's what David said to his son Solomon. And if I could put my arm around you today, I would say to you that if you will keep the commands of God, if you will obey God, you will be successful. Doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect all the time, but I am telling you, God notices and God will honor your obedience to him. I talk to people all the time who are frustrated. Well, why? How come they're so successful? How come they have that relationship? How come they got that breakthrough? And they don't realize that there's this area of disobedience in their life. And if they would confess and they would change, they would experience the breakthrough. Third way that you can lead well when you don't feel like you have what it takes is this. You have to ask God for wisdom. So at this point in the story, King David has passed away and Solomon has begun to lead. And God comes to him with this proposition. Here's what God says to Solomon. He says, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine if God said that to you? I mean, some of us would be like, well, I'll take a Maserati sports car. I'll take an 8,000 square foot mansion overlooking the beach. You know, GQ man of the year, Miss Universe. We, We would come up with something related to our own pleasure, our own wants. Solomon doesn't do that. Here's how Solomon responds back to God. He says, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. In other words, Solomon is saying, I'm so young. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in over my head, which is amazing self-awareness for a young leader like Solomon. Most young leaders think, oh, I'm are you kidding me? I mean, I, I'm I'm genius. I've got this completely figured out. He's like, no, 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 no. I understand. I need some help here, God. And so here's what he asks for. He says, give your servant wisdom to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Next verse, it said, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. So God comes to Solomon. He says, hey, ask for whatever you want. And Solomon says, well, I'm not going to ask for something for myself. I'm going to ask for wisdom so that I can lead your people well. Several weeks ago, I was trying to figure out this message and outline this message, and I just had nothing. And I was in the back room at Lino. I was actually preparing to go out and speak a different message. And I looked out the window, and I just prayed this prayer. Lord, give me wisdom. Would you speak to me? And I forgot that I'd even prayed that prayer. I went and got my microphone on. I was grabbing a drink of water. And all of a sudden, I was like, where's a piece of paper? Where's a pencil? And I just started outlining this whole thing. More and more these days, on a Monday morning, I stare at a blank computer screen, and I feel completely overwhelmed. And I think to God, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to say for 35 minutes that's interesting and engaging and so I have begun to pray this very simple prayer, "Lord, would you speak to me? Lord would you give me wisdom?" James 1:5 says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God." That's like the most dove verse in the Bible. You know, if you need wisdom, you could listen to that podcast if you want to, you could read that book, you could go talk to that person. or you could ask God. He knows everything. He knows everything about you, everything about the world. He knows the past, present, and future. You could ask him. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. See, some of us think, well, if I ask God, he's going to say no, because I'm on his naughty list. I've done some bad things. He doesn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. That's not the character of our God says, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that. If you need wisdom, ask God. See, this is where pride is so dangerous. Pride doesn't know what it doesn't know. Pride doesn't know that it doesn't have enough information, that it hasn't asked the, the right advisors. Pride just says, you know what? I don't need God's help. I'll do this on my own. And that's when bad decisions get made. James says, if you need wisdom... Why don't you ask God? Right after my kids' sporting events on the car ride home, it used to be kind of a dicey time for me and them. It's because I have the spiritual gift of criticism. Some of you have a spiritual gift of faith and mercy, and I'm I'm happy for you to have that. But God has given me a spiritual gift of criticism. So when they would get done with one of their sporting events, I was waiting in the car with a 10-point list of what they could have done differently and how they could have improved. And I wasn't raising my voice. My intention was to help. But when you've been playing your heart out for an hour and you get back in the car, you don't necessarily want to listen to your 39-year-old dad, you know, who hasn't played in sports like that in 20-some years, tell you all the things that you could have done different. And so it used to be a time when we would get in fights. And there would be emotion and frustration and irritation. And, and I got to the point where I started to dread the car ride home. And then one day, I can still remember where we were. It was a South Metro high school. My son got in the car. It had been kind of a tough game. And I was just about to speak. And I caught myself, and I prayed this prayer, Lord, give me wisdom. And it's not that I heard an audible voice, but I trusted my thoughts and my intuition right after I prayed that prayer, that God would work through that, that God would speak to me that way. And I sensed that God was saying to me, just stay silent. And so I did, and we talked about some other things on the way home, and we had a great time. And since then, not all the time, but most of the time, I try to pray this prayer, Lord, would you give me wisdom? Because my relationship with my son is more important than his performance in that game. And sometimes I wonder where our relationship would be if I hadn't prayed just that very simple prayer. Let me ask you, is there an area of your life right now where you have a decision or an issue and you've been thinking about this and weighing the pros and cons, but have you asked God? Have you asked God for his wisdom? See, I've given you three things today. Be strong. Obey God. And ask him for wisdom. And I want to invite you to think about each of those three. And don't necessarily try to do all three of them, but just pick one. Just pick one and say, God, would you speak to me this week about one of those? That maybe this is the reason that God brought you to church today. Or has you watching this message. That for some of you, you say, you know what, I I feel so weak and i need to step outside of myself and i need to receive the strength that god offers and maybe you just pray that this week god would you fill me with your strength and others of you might say you know what it would be nice if i could say oh i feel so weak i just need but really you know you need to obey god there's an area of your life where you've been doing things that you know that god doesn't want you to do and if you would confess and you would change, that's where you would experience that breakthrough. And others of you might have an issue or a decision and you've been stressed about it and it's been weighing you down, but, but what if today you ask God for his wisdom? I wanna do that right now at all of our campuses. If you would remain seated, let's pray together. And let's ask that God, by his Holy Spirit, would reveal one of these three areas of our life that he wants to work on in us this week and how he wants to change us. Let's pray together. God, if there's anyone here who came to church today or is watching this message, and they feel so weak, God, I pray right now by the power of your Spirit that you would fill them with your strength. Jesus Christ, that you would strengthen them so that they know they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. No matter what challenge they're facing, no matter what stress or pressure is in their life, no matter how big the to-do list is, that you would speak to them right now in this moment, God. You would fill them with your power. God, I pray for those of us who have an area of our life where we have been living disobediently. Right now, God, we confess it to you. We commit to change. God, we may fight against this, but let us confess it to another person so they can pray for us and help us, God. Give us the courage to do whatever it takes. And God, for those of us who need wisdom so badly, And there's this issue that we're just trying to figure out and we haven't been able to figure it out. God, I pray for your wisdom to fill us, that you are the God who gives generously, that you would fill us with your wisdom to know the difference between right and wrong. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on down front. Make sure you grab one of these on your way out today. Have a good one.